what works and what doesn't. Understanding what works. What works for me. Understanding your own business to know what works. What works for you. This is What Works. How do you know when it's time to quit? It's a question I've been asked countless times over the years. Sometimes the question is asked in frustration or sadness. A business owner will tell me that they've tried everything and they're at a loss about what to do next. Other times, the question is asked sheepishly, almost with a tone of guilt. The business owner will tell me that they've been successful, maybe even more successful than they dreamed, but that something isn't right. They're unhappy or just feeling the pull of a new challenge. Either way, knowing when to quit is almost never clear cut. I'm Tara McMullen, and this is What Works, the show that explores entrepreneurship for humans by asking big questions and investigating practical solutions. When I sat down with Tamara Darden a couple of months ago, we were scheduled to talk about values and how her business has operationalized those values. But in our pre-show warm-up, she told me she'd decided to shut down her business at the end of 2022. So we pivoted. I let her know we were doing this series on letting go and beginning again and offered if she was ready to talk about her decision. And we went there. I was struck by her willingness to occupy uncertainty and liminality. And I was impressed by her self-confidence, even when things weren't quite crystal clear. I told her to let me know if anything changed in the eight weeks or so before our conversation would actually go live. And a few weeks ago, she sent me a message. She needed to make an update. Her decision had evolved. Now, I hesitate to say that she's changed her mind, and you'll hear why. Instead, she asked more abundant questions about what was next for her, why she felt compelled to shut down the business, and what other options could look like. What follows is both parts of that conversation. It's a rare look into the reality of how entrepreneurial decisions evolve if we let them. Tamara Darden is the founder of Darden Creative. She's a photographer, creative director, and business mentor with a vision for helping Black women-owned businesses thrive. Changing your mind is hard. Doing so in a public forum is even harder. I believe very strongly that we owe it to ourselves to normalize coming to new conclusions based on new information, questions, or perspective. I hope this conversation creates some space for you to let your own positions evolve. Tamara Darden, welcome to What Works. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you, Tara, for having me. I'm so excited to be on this podcast. I've been binging it for months, so thank you. Well, that is good to hear. (laughs) Good to hear. So why don't you catch our listeners up on what you've told me, where you're at with your business, and where you're at with letting go right now? Yeah, I think it helps to give a brief summary as to what I do and just the amazingness that I've experienced over 
I guess it'll be six and a half, seven years by the time everyone listens to this. But um, I am the creative director and lead product photographer of Darden Creative. Darden Creative is a content creation agency that specializes in still life and video for beauty and lifestyle brands. Uh, I started this business in 2016 and it's been a wild ride. Um, I went from offering my services for free to hitting my first six-figure year in 2020 at the height of the pandemic um, and hit my second six-figure year this year. And in December of 2022, I will be closing the business. <laughs> um, there, there's nothing bad happening in my business. It actually is on a upward trajectory. Cash flow is healthy. We're running a sustainable business. That's always been my intention. But energetically speaking, there have just been some things that I've been thinking about for pretty much the past year. And energetically, it, it's, it's time to start something new. Um, it is not a typical exit strategy because usually the exit strategy that is presented to business owners is make it a, a full agency, you know, outsource the, the work or sell the business, find someone to actually manage it, right? Um, and for me, it's like, I, de I deserve to live as many different lives as my other girl boss counterparts in my one small life. And this is just one chapter that I'm eerily ready to close. And this is the first time I'm saying it out loud for thousands of people to hear. <laughs> so first off, I'm extremely grateful for that um, because, you know, I really value honest conversations about business and moving on, letting go, feeling the grief around a business and the decisions that we make is just something that we don't talk about very often. But as someone who has had an inside look at how businesses develop over the years and the many evolutions that uh, businesses go through and that their business owners go through, it, I know that it is an incredibly common experience. And so by you being willing to kind of dig into your thought processes and, and how you've been feeling and, and sort of how you're managing all of this for yourself, um, I think this is just a great opportunity for other people to feel not so alone in those decisions as well. Um, I think one of the things that you said before we started recording that really stuck with me is that you have nothing else to prove. And I think one of the reasons why letting go of a business, a successful business, 
or a not successful business is difficult for people is because we live in a culture that is constantly trying to get us to prove our worth, uh, to prove our value, to prove that we belong. And one of the ways that business owners do that is through our businesses and the work that we do there. Um, and that's true, I think, for career folks as well. We career, we're, we're trying to prove ourselves in, in whatever our career is. Tell me more about realizing that you had nothing else to prove and how that maybe is shaping the way you start to think about what might be next. You know, it started for me at the beginning of the pandemic. I think up into, until that point, my business was my identity. I had made a ton of sacrifices just to get to the point where I was at the beginning of 2020. You know, I started my business in New York City in 2016, incredibly broke, was working two to three part-time jobs. And I, I was almost like evicted from my apartment. So I just wasn't making enough money. And I was, I still believe in this business. Like, and so for me, there was no plan B. And so I made the hard decision back then to leave New York. And I moved in with a really great friend. And I just said to her, I said, you know, I really believe in this business. I don't have other options. <laughs> I'm I'm asking this on a whim, a hope and a prayer. Um, I really believe in this business. I just need someone to give me the space to let me grow it. Um, and so that that has been my identity from that moment on, 2017, when I moved to DC to that point in the beginning of the pandemic, March 2020. And then, as we all know, shit hit the fan. <laughs> literally, figuratively, metaphysically, however, whatever you want to call it, shit hit the fan, you know, business tanked. Thankfully, I had re repeat clients that I like consider my close friends at this point who were like, you know, we have some content we need. Can you create it for us? But that was the first time where I had the space, whether I asked for it or not, to say, is this all that I am? Is this business all who I am? And the answer was no. <laughs> the answer was no. There were other things that I wanted to do. I didn't know, of course, but I realized that there were things that I kind of ignored, put on the back burner, all in the pursuit of my business, which let me just say this, like there are sacrifices that have to be made want to grow a business. I'm not sitting here pretending like that's not the case. Some people have their their tolerance cap. For me, it was, okay, what's the what's the one thing I'm willing to let go of? It was I'm willing to let go of my apartment and live with a friend. That that was my 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 bottom, right? Which wasn't a bottom. I was still safe and protected. But everyone has to sacrifice something in exchange of a successful business. So let me just say, let me say that. Okay. Um, but at that point it was like, okay, my, my business is not my, my whole life. It's not much with my totality. And so I made a promise, a personal promise to myself at that point. It was okay, Tamara, you're going to work really hard. You're going to hit this 
particular number. And once you hit that number, I want you to let, to, to not let it be your identity. I want you to make the amount of money that you want. That's going to allow you to feel safe because financial security is important as a single black woman, um, creative. Um, but I want you to, to use that money to build the life that you want. What exactly is going to make you happy? And December 2020 came rolling around. I made the most money I've ever made in my life, in my business. I ended with like 139 from 48 the year before. So it just, it was a cute, like, it, yeah, it was, I still can't explain it if I'm being completely honest. <laughs> it just went from 48 to 139, just like that. And so December of 2020, I took myself on a vacation. Christmas is personally a hard time for me. And so I wanted to change the story for myself and be in a, in a place that would make me happy. I hung out with one of my clients and I remember sitting at the poolside of my hotel and all of a sudden the thought that came was, you're going to close the business down. And I was like, you're shitting me, right? Like, this is not, this is not what I expected to happen. I just, I'm just coming off of a six-figure year, like, and ready to double this, really, the following year. Uh, um, and I was, I was tired, I was burned out. And so at first, I, I thought the thoughts were burnout, you know? So you take the vacation, you reset, and then you come back home, you know? Yeah, you, you get your shit together. It's like, oh, girl, I was, I was just joking when I was saying that. I was just, I was just in my feelings. No, the feeling never went away. I made the changes and the adjustments that I needed in my business for it to continue to, to go on maintenance mode. And the feeling just never, it just never went away. And it, it's been hard. You know, I'm not at the crying stage anymore. That was December, February. I'm just crying to my therapist, like, I don't want to do this. And and being, you know, combated of, well, is this trauma? Is this trauma of you don't know a good thing when you got it? And so therefore now you're you're building in drama, right? And and I'm here to tell you almost a year later, it is not trauma. It is energetically my body telling you want something else this is not it it's time to move on <laughs> you said as you were kind of contemplating and processing uh the actual decision to shut things down you made some changes to put your business into maintenance mode and i'd love to hear some of the specifics around that because i think that's a really smart move like when when you can get your business into maintenance mode, whatever that looks like for you, I think it puts you in a better position to make a more objective decision. It's less like charged and fraught. Um, so what kinds of things did you do to put your business into maintenance mode? Yeah, that's a really good question. So so after the trip in December, I, I came back and 
One, I really adjusted just the workflow of how we operated. I've made the decision to only do photo shoots two days out of the week as opposed to being available every day of the week. I also started to pay attention to the ebbs and flows, like the peaks and valleys of of when I brought in the most revenue. So I realized that actually January and February were actually slower than the rest of spring. Then it kind of tapered, it slowed down again in August, and then it picked back up and then dropped again in December. So I wanted my work calendar to look like that so that I really paid attention to, okay, this is when I need to ramp up marketing. This is when I can kind of slow down. And also too, really working with my accountant to um, just really protect myself, right? Like financially. So when I know that there is going to be a lull or a drop, instead of feeling like, oh my God, there's a drop in business. I'm a failure. Okay. I need to like discount these services, I can just say, okay, during the peak of my business, let me make sure that I store my acorns so I can rest during that lull. So just working more on a cyclical or some sort of cycle for the business as a and working with it as opposed to against it, essentially. Um, the process was already there. So like the process of how we work with our clients that already existed, but I just, you know, cleaned some things a little bit and, and more so focused on how I showed up in the business as opposed to putting all these additional restrictions and boundaries, right. In order for the business to run, I just said, okay, you know, Peak is going to be March to July, drop August, take that month off, pick work back up until, you know, the middle of December. So just really more so working with the flow as opposed to causing all this friction, essentially. Yeah. Uh, I think those those are all so, such smart changes. And, and what I love about that, too, is that anyone could do that at any point in time, regardless of, you know, how they're feeling about their business and, um, you know, whether they're thinking about letting it go or not. You know, you said that the, the, the circumstances around this decision are not because the business isn't working. It's not because the business failed. The business is extremely successful. Um, and so I'm wondering if some of these uh, changes this idea to sort of focus more on ma what maintenance mode would look like for you was trying to find relief in terms of stress or overload or or was it something that was just like no I need space does that make sense yes I needed space okay <laughs> I realized that my work capacity was not matching the revenue like, and so, I, so that required me to also to look at my pricing, right? Like I needed to increase the pricing so that my pricing didn't just match at a top line view, like what my revenue, what I wanted my revenue to be, but more specifically what I wanted my work capacity to look like on any given basis. I think sometimes we tend to forget about the correlation between the two of like, yeah, my pricing is, I think you made the example a couple of months ago during a podcast where you talk about cash flow being a 
feminist issue. And just, we, okay, sure, $1,500, that's where it could be, but does that correlate to the work capacity of how many clients you actually want to bring in every month that you need to sustain yourself? And so for me, it, it was a combination of those things. Like, I just wanted the space. And because I knew in the back of my mind, like, this feeling of closing the business was not going away, it didn't matter what I did. The feeling still wasn't going away. I needed the space to think about that. I needed, I needed that space. And, and just, I wanted to rest. I just, I just wanted to rest. You know, I just felt like I was on the grind for five years, not months, years of being like, I want this business to sustain me, not only business, but personal, like the things that I desire personally. And I had to work hard for that until I realized I did not. (laughs) Until I realized (laughs) I had more freedom and space to say, yeah, you can actually temper your pricing to align with your work capacity. Oh, this would have saved me so much, so much stress and resentment. And that was the other thing, too, is that I started feeling resentment towards clients. Like, I remember, when was it? Earlier this year, at one of the peaks of working. So I anticipated this peak. I knew this peak was coming. And my clients would ask me questions because they could ask questions. And I would, like, be like, oh, my God. Like, I need a freaking break. And it's like, dude, you know what I mean? Like, why are you getting snippy, right? So like having to check myself, like that self-awareness to check myself, like where exactly is this coming from? You know, it, will this, will this make a difference if you change the structure? So, so that is one thing that I'm looking to do in this last year is like change the structure of the type of client we work with. So not necessarily B to C, but B to B, because that actually is a percentage of my clientele. And, and it's different. The dynamic is different. It's very, very different. But just feeling that resentment towards people that I said that I wanted to serve and help when I first started this business years before, like that, I was like, Mm, something isn't right. And I can't blame these these people. It's not fair to them. And so that was the first time that I took a break in the middle of like peak season, you know, in June. And it was just like, I need more time mm. to think about this. Yeah. I need to examine this immediately. I was listening to Jocelyn K. Gly interview uh, Mia Birdsong this morning on Hurry Slowly, and they were talking about resentment and how it's easy to think that that feeling of resentment is because someone else crossed a boundary or because they've asked for more than is appropriate. But really, resentment is information to us that we have not established a boundary or that something in that relationship is structured in a way that crosses a line for us. And that's our responsibility. Um, and I, so I, I I think your perspective on that is so valuable um, because I think resentment is a very common feeling for small business owners and we want to project a lot of it onto clients and it just is not 
generally their responsibility. <laughs> right. <laughs> There's a little bit of, you know, accountability there. But yes. if we're really honest with ourselves, you know, we are the ones that are building the foundation of our business. So people are going to interact with us the way that we have presented ourselves, right? And so the resentment I was feeling, it wasn't even because people were crossing a boundary. It wasn't even a boundary. It was just little simple shit that it's like the math isn't mathing, right? Like, why am I feeling this resentment? They're not asking me anything that really is out of the ordinary or forcing me to go above and beyond. This is part of the scope of work. They're not asking for raw files, which tends to happen a lot, right? Like, they're not asking for that. Like, things that are within the scope of work that now I'm like, this is getting on my nerves. Whoa, you know, why is this happening? Okay, I need to take a step back to really, to examine this in myself. And it's like, oh my God, really? Like, this is still eating at me? That That is what it was. I'm happy we're having this conversation because there's always this drama around closing your business, right? Of like, it was the wrong thing to do. I shouldn't have been doing this business in the first place. Or people wanted refunds. Or people are providing or giving me negative testimonials. None of that is happening. None of that. I love my clients. They love me. People pay me on time. <laughs> you know, um, no one, is, I don't feel disrespected. You know, like none of that is happening. And I want to tell people that that, that is okay. It's normal. It's okay to feel this, this way and feel like I'm closing it down because I want to. That, and that's what it is. It's the freedom. It's the freedom and flexibility to say, I am, I started this business my own way and I'm closing it the way that I want to. I'm not coerced. No one is yeah. forcing me to do this. And it's yeah. the freedom that we feel like we don't have, right? And it's like, who said we had to be lifers in our own business? I think that's a question that I, that I am meditating on a lot, you know, the past couple of months. And I'm sure I will be thinking that next year. But like, who said I had to be a lifer in my own company? No one said that. Yeah, that really echoes something that I've been thinking a lot about too, which is what is the point at which you would be willing to leave a full-time job? Or what is the point at which you would decide this isn't for me anymore? And there are all sorts of reasons that people decide this isn't for me anymore, right? It could be working conditions. It could be, you know, that you don't like the job or that there is or that it's a harmful work environment. Absolutely. It could be that you don't have the skills for that job. Absolutely. But there are plenty of other very positive freedom oriented reasons that you would leave a job, right? Like I want to try something else. I'm not being challenged here the way I want to. I want to explore a different part of my uh, skills, my strengths, my abilities. I want to work in a different kind of environment. There are so many different reasons. And yet we don't apply those same standards most of the time to our own businesses. It's messy. There's no wrapping it up in a bow and being like, here you go. I could be wrong. Listeners, I could be completely wrong, but that's okay. I can just come back, right? Like that's the beauty of life. 
I tell my students all the time, you know, I, I coach women product photographers and the photo CEO. And I told them the other day, I was like, mistakes are part of the fine print. It is not something that you can avoid, but I will guarantee you this. There's nothing that you will do that will be so bad and tumultuous that you cannot come back from it. Believe you me. Right. So I could be wrong. Tara can follow up with me December. What date do I have? I have December 22nd, I think. December 20th of 2020 and be like, so you're going to do it. And I may be like, you know, I thought about it. I think I'm just going to move in a different direction and keep the business or I may not. I don't know. But as of right now, where I stand, I feel peace in this decision. And I don't think speaking to my colleagues or friends and like to get opinions is really going to change it otherwise for me right now. Um, not especially because I've been thinking about this for so long. It'd be very different if I thought about this yesterday and like, okay, we're just gonna shut that. No, this has been something I've been thinking about for a year. And so I owe it to myself to answer that call and, and figure out what the next step is. But there is some cognitive dissonance there. I'm not I'm not going to pretend like it doesn't exist. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's there for sure. Yeah. For sure. I, I appreciate you being willing to be in that space and acknowledge that this is, you're, you are celebrating this decision. And also the decision is hard and fraught and <laughs> there's a lot going on there. Let's go back to the crying stage for a little bit. <laughs> I knew you wanted to, yes. Yeah, I do. Because I think that we underestimate, I know I have underestimated, the importance of grieving in the decisions that we make about our business and how we move on from different things that we've done over the years. Talk to me about what the grieving process has been like for you. I think just saying it. I think saying it's the hard part. It's very different when you're just thinking about it internally and it's like just you're just doing over it. For me, I internalize a lot, a lot, like to my to my own detriment. And I just needed to say it, say it. And I needed to embrace the tears of saying it. It was so, 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 so hard. Um I mean, I would cry all the time to my therapist. And the way it would come out was, again, like, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't feel fulfilled. Maybe if I find some hobbies. Okay, I found some hobbies, but the feeling is still there. So, like, the hobbies were supposed to fix this so that I could separate myself from this, right? No, it's not working. Okay, um, is this trauma? So now, So now self-awareness on tilt, right? So now we're like, you know, well, if you're someone that grew up in trauma or whatever trauma looks like for you, like maybe it's because you're not willing to accept the good. And that's not always true. It's not always trauma. I found the things that I love to do and embracing those things and getting the facials and the laser hair removal treatments and travel. I love to travel and eating really amazing food, but the feeling was still there. It was still there. And, and, and I cried about it. It's like, damn, like the feeling is still here. <laughs> Why is this not going away? 
why is it not going away? So I cried about that a lot. I mean, I still kind of do sometimes, not all the time, but just grieving that you're grieving so many things. I'm, I'm grieving years of my life. I'm grieving the experiences. I'm grieving the wins. The, I'm grieving the people that look up to me. I think that's another thing, too, is like my ego was kind of like, well, what are people going to think when I are they going to think I'm a quitter because I'm leaving this successful business? And just I can't speak for anyone else, but as a black woman who is successful in, in a space that is dominated by white males, there's this added pressure, you know, this excellence syndrome, right, of like always showing up, always being ready, always being on call bossing up, getting to the bag. And don't get me wrong, I think women need to earn more, right? Like the the statistic is is abysmal, but it's not all about that. And and I had to kind of put my ego aside and it was like if you stay in this, you're staying in this for the for the wrong reasons. You're staying in this because you're still trying to get that validation from someone that or something that you don't you don't need it. You don't need it anymore, you know? There's that cognitive dissonance again, but but it was just like I I don't I don't need it. I don't need this to prove myself anymore. You know, just it it, it makes me, you know, teary eyed now. I have I have nothing else to give in this business the way that it is right now. So so even, you know, when that time comes, maybe it'll evolve into something else. But I'm not fulfilled. And and that is the that's the journey that all of us should be on, me included. So if it makes me money, great. But if I'm not fulfilled, it doesn't really matter to me anymore. And that's kind of where it is. It doesn't mean I'm not going to show up in my business, right? Like I'm going to respect everyone because I'm a person who operates from from a place of excellence and professionalism. But internally internally like the dial is missing something something is gone it's going to have to look like something different and i think that transition was already happening before i even realized it so i i just physically needed to get there letting go of a previous vision an identity even a goal or a plan is never a one-time decision It's a practice of truth-finding and sense-making. It's recognizing all the small things that you're letting go of alongside the big thing you're moving away from. But over time, you start to integrate your decision and see things from that new perspective. Now, often that just reinforces the decision you've made and your commitment to trying something new. But sometimes it's the spark of a different way forward. And that's what happened for Tamara. You'll hear my second conversation with Tamara Darden in just a minute. But first, a word from our What Works partner. What Works is brought to you by Mighty Networks. Now, the so-called creator economy has been getting some serious attention lately. Traditional media are confounded by people creating content, building audiences, and making money online. But what's really going on here? Is it the viral TikTok stars and Instagram influencers that have it all figured out? Do you have to amass millions of followers to make it in the creator economy? 
Mighty Networks wanted to find out. So they hired an independent research firm to study the creator economy. And what they found is completely counter the mass media narrative and probably quite familiar to you as a listener of What Works. In short, the creators who are thriving today own their platforms, niche down to hyper-specific audiences, invest in community, and create their own network effects. And the biggest non-surprise? People are making the same amount of money with direct sales to as few as 30 customers that the stars are making with 100,000 followers or 2 million views. Want to learn more? Go to newcreatormanifesto.com. That's newcreatormanifesto.com. So tell me what's up. You know, I really enjoy, I really enjoyed our first conversation a lot. I think in hindsight, it, it almost was a therapy session. I was long overdue and I was feeling a lot of resentment and I, I mm. really wanted to figure out where that resentment was coming from and you know, I I like to joke around or not joke around, but I remember there was this interview and this shows how much I love Marvel. But I remember I was watching this interview featuring Chris Evans and Scarlett Johansson. And I think it was like after Marvel Endgame had came out. And if you're familiar with, with Chris Evans, you know that he is not someone that likes to be in the spotlight. And mm. he has gone on record to say, you know, I love what I do. I love acting, but you know, once a year, I'm trying to figure out my exit strategy. I'm trying to get out. I think that's normal. I think Mm -hmm. it's normal to have instances in your life in business where you're just like, I don't think I can, I can go on. I, I think I'm done. I don't feel like having to triage. I don't want to troubleshoot. I'm really thankful for the opportunities that I've gotten. I'm ready to wash my hands clean. And I don't think I'm ready. I'm not ready to do that. I I think that there are some things that I needed to let go of. Mm -hmm. And so I'm in the process of mentally being prepared for that. I think there are some things that I needed to let go of. and And the business is not the right thing to let go of. There are things within the business that I needed to let go of so that I can actually... I guess, transition into the real CEO role that I've been wanting to for a very long time. I mean, I completely agree that as humans, <laughs> we go through these cycles of, well, you you know, you use the word resentment, burnout, excitement, creativity. And along with that, I think we go through these cycles of sort of analyzing where we are, the trajectory that we're currently on, and whether that trajectory is really the trajectory we want to be on, whether that's going to end us up where we want to be. And I also, what I love about getting the opportunity to record this update with you is that I think in those cycles, it can be really easy to get caught up in not changing our minds in not uh, in trying to be consistent Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. even when the information has changed Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and when our analysis has changed and i love every opportunity i can take to normalize changing your mind about anything (laughs) really kind of walk us through the thought process from I got to get out of this or this is not for me anymore to there's still something here that I want to pursue. 
I think we if we did the interview, I think in October. And October was the second of two work peaks for me. By the time October rolled around, quite honestly, it was financially icing on the cake. I had already hit my annual goal by then. So like by September, I believe. And so for me, I was like, okay, there's a few more personal things that I want to achieve. I'm just going to say yes. <laughs> and I did that in October was like, a, it was a, a whirlwind. And there was also some like comparison and imposter syndrome that was also happening there. Like, I think we all have a love-hate relationship with Instagram and borderline probably more hate than love. And I found myself, you know, being in the product photography space, I found myself looking at people that I really admired and being like, okay, if I don't shoot this way, then I'm not going to be a viable option to be hired. So let me try all of these different things. So I was really losing my own voice and identity in the process. And so I was like, okay, I, I need to get this back. And I took a whole month in August thinking that that would help. And it did a little bit, like it did, but it just, it wasn't enough. So October rolled around. All of my clients were really, really great. And one project in particular, really amazing. And I realized something was different. And what was different was that I walked away from doing some of the responsibilities that I usually would have to do. Usually when someone is hiring me, you know, I offer a full service, right? So we, or I, team, team of we is I, you know, I am, you know, developing the mood board and, and the concepts and I am, you know, managing the whole client experience within Asana, which is really great. And the onboarding. And then when it comes to the day of the shoot, I'm shooting. I'm also styling. Then I'm retouching. Maybe I'm sending out a little bit of, of retouching after the fact. Like I'm literally doing five to six roles within one project. That is a lot. And you know, when you start your business, that usually is required. Like no one wants to say it, but it's like, you don't have the budget. You don't have the resources to say, hey, this is the vision of, of what I want my business to look like, but it's going to take some time to get there. I'm going to have to do it all until I get to a place where I don't have to anymore. And so October for me was kind of like, I, I booked a really big project. The budget was there. The client was hella understanding. And I was like, you know what? I'm hiring a stylist. I'm not doing it all. I'm hiring a stylist and it was a two day shoot. So imagine if I didn't have a stylist to help. And it was like, we had models and we had makeup artists. It was, it was a full production. And I walked away from that shoot feeling tired, but not exhausted. Like I felt like I was not overextending myself. And even, you know, the next steps with retouching, you know, like I outsourced all of it. And I was like, this is what I need to do. I need to fire myself. I need to fire myself from doing all of the roles in this business. Because if I don't, I'm going to be constantly telling myself year after year after year, I want to quit. And so then that started a chain of events of like, okay, well now what does this look like for pricing? Okay, pricing, what does this look like for my client? So now my, my client is now shifting, you know, and like having to grieve that process because the clientele that I used to work with when my prices were lower 
because I want to move into a different market means that I now have to like you know, grieve the clients that I won't be working with because I, ha- I have to keep going. Like Darting Creative has to keep going and I would be doing myself a disservice to not keep going and like really seeing how far a Black woman can take an agency in a commercial photography space. And I think I just needed to go through all of those emotions. And I'm still going through them, but not validating them. Like not saying, okay, because I feel this way, these negative emotions, that means that I need to drop this business, stop what I'm doing and start something else. I hope I hope that makes sense. Oh, it completely makes sense. It completely makes sense. There's a couple of things there uh, that I hear as a as a business strategist mm-hmm. going on. One is that it is really hard to know what you want to build uh, at the beginning because for most of us, we don't have uh, a role model, a representation mm-hmm. out there of what we're building, whether it's because we're working in new media, whether it's because people who look like us or talk like us or or come from our communities don't do those things, um, or whether it's just because we've never thought about owning a business before, right? Like that was my uh, situation. I had no idea what this could look like or what I wanted it to look like at the beginning. And so I think in addition to, yeah, having to put in the work uh because i didn't also didn't have access to resources to build those things out i wouldn't have known to build those things out at the okay. beginning that wasn't okay. the vision right um so there's that and then the other thing that i hear you saying which i think is super super important is is a sustainability piece right and i think about sustainability in three buckets financial sustainability operational sustainability and personal and social sustainability and that any time there is something not working sustainability-wise in one of those buckets, it is not just about fixing that one thing. It's about making sure that the whole business is operating right. around, um, you know, that, that, that the whole business is designed to be sustainable. And it's, you can't Band-Aid fix those things, Absolutely. right? Yeah. You can't just pay yourself more. At some point, the money is not worth (laughs) the burnout or the exhaustion or the existential crisis right it it is not a matter of of just you know fixing or fudging things to make it better it is a fundamental reworking of your understanding of the sustainability model of your business and the strategy behind it and it sounds like that's exactly what you're working on yes exactly it's a it's an entire ecosystem And and recently, you know, I was uh, talking about my core values. My core values Mm -hmm. have changed because of the life that I have experienced over the past couple of years. You know, Mm -hmm. I remember when I first started my business, you know, I I had a why because everyone's like, have a why. Define your why. (laughs) Right. So, you know, my why was twofold. One, it was survival. Right. Like Mm -hmm. heavy on this has to work. And. The second was to create, you know, amazing photography, not even not product, just photography mm-hmm. for black owned businesses. So that was my two part why and core values. I didn't even establish those until like two years later. But 
the core values that I had at the time were transparency, creativity, um, uh, professionalism and resourcefulness, you know, and, and defining what that looked like in my life and specifically in my business. And I think what I realized this year is that those things change. Like we have to Mm -hmm. give the why and our core values, the space to change, because maybe what got you to where you are isn't what's going to take you to where you want to go next. So I really had to reestablish what my core values are. And it's so kismet that you say sustainability, because that is actually one of my new core values in sustainability. Wonderful. You know, what does sustainability look like to me? It means hiring help. It means making sure that I am standing by my pricing because I'm hiring out other people in order to execute the vision for my clients. And and on a personal level, sustainability, you know, even though it's small, but sustainability looks like, you know, maintaining healthy weight loss, right? Like, so how does that, you know, affect the entire ecosystem? You know, like that, that is something that I'm thinking about going forward with the pricing and the client and how many projects, you know, I would want to to book per month, you know, based off of capacity and availability, you know, like, it's almost like welcome to the C-suite. Like you're, you're mm-hmm. no longer thinking about, you know, okay, how am I going to make, you know, just 2000 to cover my bills? Now you're thinking, okay, how do we sustain this like beyond me while also supporting any philanthropic or like personal initiatives, you know, like, because I want to hire more women. So yeah. I know that requires increasing the rate so that I am properly compensating those those contractors and that talent as well you know so i yeah it's 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 a whole uh domino effect that we kind of have to think about you can't just think about finances and say yeah i want to make a million dollars and it's like well how are you going to sustainably make a million dollars how how are you going to do that right like you have to think about everything so yeah yeah you know, you you said that your why changed, your values changed. And I think the change piece is really important. And also, I think that it's a learning process. Yeah. Right. So as much as it might even seem like they're changing, I think we learn more about what's really in there. And then we also learn more about what's possible out mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, you know, pl- I talk about planning as a learning pr- process, goal setting as a learning process. It's all learning. It's not about achieving this thing or achieving that thing or doing this other thing over here. It's about what we learn in that process and then how that uh, shifts our orientation and our trajectory. And yeah. so that's what I'm really hearing from you is that you needed to go through that process of being like, no, I'm gonna shut this shit down <laughs> <laughs> to learn that yeah you did need to shut that shit down because the business you're actually building is a different business yeah it just happens to look kind of the same on the outside but on the inside it's changing where i'm alleviating the pressure of having to overextend myself and alleviating the pressure to having to do it all i think you know 
what you said about embracing change, embracing change in thought, embracing change in how you operate. You know, I think that's something that we don't, we don't talk about often. You know, it's Mm -hmm. always like, it's, it's black or white, it's A or B, you know, like, and I, and I understand, like, just kind of, I guess, talking through it now is I understand the fear of wanting to be gray or the fear of being between A and B because we feel like that means we're not uh, consistent. We're, you know, mm-hmm. we can't be trust trusted or trustworthy or, you know, all, all of the other isms, you know, attached to wanting to, I'm going to say this and I'm going to hold my ground and I'm not going to change. And I think what I am learning is that there's strength in saying this word for right now, but I'm going to give myself the space to make a change if I need to two months, <laughs> six months, uh, or a year down the line. Um, and yeah, I, I, I do hope that this encourages people to embrace the change um, and to hold your, and, you know, stand your ground and embracing change. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I love your point about like, it doesn't have to be black or white. It doesn't have to be consistency above all else. Right. I think that's one of the things that I've really learned from black women and from indigenous women is um, that ability to accept new information and Mm -hmm. adapt and know that just because your position was one thing based on one set of information does not mean that's going to be your position for forevermore. Sometimes a monumental shift in how you perceive your business is internally exactly what you need and externally still looks pretty damn consistent. Right. And it sounds like that's kind of where you're at. Yes. I had a conversation with a friend not too long ago, and he was just sharing, you know, some insight about another colleague of his in commercial photography who, like, walked away with a huge, a substantial amount of money for a three-day project. And I think for me, it was like, imagine if more Black women had access to that in order to build sustainable businesses where they didn't have to work so much in order to earn more. And being one of the first, I'm not saying I'm the first, but being one of the first to to say, yeah, I want to see how far this goes and like get my hands dirty, you know, so that it can like lead the way for other women behind me or for colleagues that are, you know, on this journey with me, then yeah, I'm willing to do that. I think also when you feel like you're ready to shut down, I think that's when it's really important to say, okay, let's plan out what days or what months you're going to be working. Like, so now I've adjusted what that looks like for me. So like eight to nine months on, three months off, like really planning out vacations, really saying, okay, I'm going to schedule more personal creative work for me so Mm -hmm. that my wheels are always turning or that I don't feel rusty. Right. So Again, it's just going back to that ecosystem, like understanding, okay, this is my responsibility, but these are the things that I'm going to incorporate to help like maintain my sanity and my joy at the same time. And just being open to that and also just asking for help. Like I think asking for help is something that 
it's easier said than done. I'm an overachiever. I'm an Enneagram three. I am a generator according to human design. And so, you know, we, we place value on achieving and like sometimes doing it all ourselves. And I'm a Taurus. And so it's like, I'm doing it all. I don't need your help. And it's like, I do, I do need your help. You know, like I see the vision and I cannot do this by myself. I can't do it anymore. And I don't want to. And embracing that as opposed to being like, because I can't do this all anymore, then it's just not worth me trying anymore. And that's not, that's not true and it's not fair. You know, you said at the beginning, part of your why was just survival. And I was going to say, oh, it sounds like it's kind of flipped to thriving, right? That's sort of the yes. the the sides of the coin that we normally look at, right? It's thriving versus surviving. But I think what you're talking about goes beyond that. You've made a shift from running your business for survival to running your business as a leader within a community that is very valuable to you. And that I think is a huge mindset shift, not just in how you approach the strategy of the business, but of how you show up, mm -hmm. of how you gather people into your vision. It's a really different um, and I think really important way when you are rethinking things, when you're beginning again, to approach your business if that's the vision that you have. That's that not everyone's have. vision. Right. No, it's not. But it sounds like it's been in the back of your mind for a long time, and now it's in the front of your mind. And I think that's a really exciting place to be. Oh, it's so exciting. Because when I think about the original vision that I had for Darden Creative, that's what, that's what I wanted. Entrepreneurship is a learning process. Yeah, it's problem solving, innovation, and business building. But each stage of that process involves learning as you go. When we start our businesses, there are so many unknown variables, so much about how businesses are structured, how the market will respond to our offers, how we will show up as business builders that is completely mysterious. Inevitably, as we learn, things change. We make different offers. We structure our business models differently. Our brands evolve, our prices change. And yes, we change too. Change is natural. Whether it's something small like a policy or a price, or something big like your business model or the entire premise of your business. Now is a great time to look back on what you've learned about yourself and your business this year. How does what you've learned change things for you? Again, it might not be a profound change. It might be something small, but even a small change can influence the actions you decide to take next year and the strategy your actions fit into. Learning leads to change. Change leads to growth. This is going to be our final episode of 2022. I'm going to take a few weeks off to rest, enjoy the holiday season, and work on some conversations I have planned for 2022. Next year, I plan to tackle some big topics all centered around a guiding question. What does a more human approach to entrepreneurship look like? How can we do business in the most humane way? Some of those topics will involve high-level explorations and conversations, 
and many will continue to get into the nuts and bolts of what works for small business owners. I'm really looking forward to bringing you another great year of podcast episodes that not only teach you about running a small business, but also invite you to think differently about running a small business. Thank you so much for being a What Works listener. If you enjoy the unusual approach to business that we take here on the podcast, I'd love for you to share the show with a friend. Podcasts grow by word of mouth and so do movements. When you tell a friend, the circle of people who are finding more humane ways to do business grows too. What Works is produced by Yellow House Media. Our production coordinator is Lou Blazer. Emily Kilduff is our production assistant. This episode was edited by Marty Seafelt and me, Tara McMullen.